Welcome to Global River Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit globalriver.org. All right, let me fix it where y'all can see me. Thank you. All right, how's everybody doing today? Thank you. Doing well. Happy Mother's Day. Y feliz día de las madres, see? Feliz día de las madres. What I love about this day so far is we've talked about how it is a day to honor women because women were created to nurture and to love. So I wanna honor all of the women here today. And I'm gonna take some time to look at a woman in the Bible, but first I'm gonna give a PSA. Now I've got some family here. If you know, if you know me on Facebook, I'm Lisa Morgan Moore. And I've got some Morgans and a Stewart here today. So Scott, who's my brother, call your mama today. Don't forget to call your mama today. If your mother is still alive, call your mama today. I called mine at about eight this morning before I got distracted and forgot. Call your mama. But what I love about this house is this is a house of mothers. And in this house today, there are a lot of mothers who have raised me. There are a lot of spiritual mothers, some that are watching online. Oh, there's one back there. I see you, Miss Arlene. I was looking for you. You know, I could not be on this stage today without Miss Arlene Casola saying, you are a gifted communicator. And I would look at myself in the mirror and say, I am a gifted communicator. And then she would say, you are gifted. So there are mothers and fathers in this house that have believed in me, just like in your lives. There are mothers and fathers who have spoken your identity over you and your purpose over you. And in the natural, for those of you with young children at home, or you have adult children like me, or you have some adopted children, spiritual children, We are to speak their purpose over them and to remind them of their identity. We do that today. We do that today. That never stops. The nest never really gets empty. And even as fathers, aunts, uncles, brothers, whoever you are, you can also speak purpose into people's lives. You can remind them of their identity. How many of you prayed for me this morning, rubbed my back, hugged me? Because this morning I needed to be reminded of my identity. We all, when pastor called, for those of you with the need, I stood up because there are times we need to be reminded of who we are who God says we are because the world and the devil and all the lies, our flesh will say things and it's not true. So we're gonna look at Jochebed for a few minutes this morning. If you will look at, turn with me to Exodus 2. There's no handout today, um, but turn with me to Exodus 2. What I love about this story is this mother is not even named. She is not even named. And that's such a picture of motherhood because often the mothers are the ones behind the scenes. (laughs) They're the ones behind the scenes and they're often nameless and faceless. And that's what we're gonna see with Jochebed, but we're also gonna see the powerful influence that she had. Exodus 2, starting with verse one. It says, now a man from the house of Levi went and married a daughter of Levi. And the woman conceived and gave birth to a son. And when she saw that he was beautiful, she hid him for three months. But when she could no longer hide him, she got him a papyrus basket and covered it with tar and pitch. Then she put the child in it and set it among the reeds by the bank of the Nile. And his sister stood at a distance to find out what would happen to him. Now the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the Nile with her female attendants walking alongside the Nile and she saw the basket hidden among the reeds and sent her slave woman and she brought it to her. When she opened it, she saw the child and behold, the boy was crying. And she had pity on him and said, this is one of the Hebrews' children. 
Then his sister, we later know her name is Miriam, said to Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and call a woman for you? She didn't even say my mother. Shall I go and call a woman for you who is nursing from the Hebrew women so that she may nurse the child for you? Pharaoh's daughter said to her, go ahead. So the girl went and called the child's mother. Verse nine. Then Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this child away and nurse him for me and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him. And the child grew and she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter and he became her son. And she named him Moses and said, because I drew him out of the water. So I wanna look at Jochebed for a few minutes and we aren't even told her name at this point. We later learn who she is in a genealogy. But there are some things that we can, they're not exactly like I was explaining this to my neighbor yesterday. He just, he made the mistake in saying, what are you preaching tomorrow? And he got a sermon. I just lit up and just shared everything with it to him. And then he's like, well, where do you get that? And so I said, well, some of these things we can deduce. Because Moses is known as like the greatest prophet in the Old Testament. He's known as the deliverer. He's known as a man who was face to face with God. The prayer that was sung over him, that was Jochebed's son who gave that prayer, the Aaronic blessing, Aaron. We can deduce some things about this mother because of the fruit we see in the lives of her children. She was a good mother. She just had a little bit of time with Moses. So what can we see about Jochebed just from this little excerpt in Exodus 2? She had courage. She took this child who Pharaoh was going to kill because the, the Israelites were becoming so strong. She put him in a basket. Some of you mothers can relate to putting your child in a basket. Last August, we moved my son, who has autism, to Wisconsin. I was miserable the whole time we were there. I was like, God, I don't wanna be doing this. I do not want to be here. He's gonna have to drive in the snow, you know, minus 20 degrees. I bought him every piece of outerwear I could afford. I was like, I don't want him to be cold. I don't want him to be hurt. We bought him a car with all-wheel drive. It's, you know, you need a Subaru when you're driving in the snow. I put my son in a basket, right, Brian? Scary. But sometimes as mothers and fathers, we have to put people in God's hands and trust. Is that me, y'all? If it's me, come, come fix me. <laughs> we have to put people in God's hands, and that's what she did. And she had faith. We have to trust that what we put in God's hands, his hands are big enough to handle. He's big enough. He was big enough to help my son drive in the snow. He was big enough to help me while my son was driving through the snow. By the end of the winter, I no longer looked at Wisconsin weather before I looked at it every day. Honey, do you know there's an 80% chance of snow today? But towards the end of the winter, I don't even look now. So God can give us the ability to let our children go and then help us through it because don't you know it's a daily letting go. It's a daily surrender of our children and trusting that God's plans for them are so much greater than anything we could desire. God's plans for our children are so much greater than anything. He can do exceedingly abundantly more than we could ever ask or imagine. Why do we limit what our children could do. I never imagined my son with autism could like move to Raleigh. I mean, that was gonna be a stretch for me to think of him moving to Raleigh, Charlotte. I was okay with that. But Wisconsin, y'all, that about broke me. But we did it, we, we trusted God. Just like Jochebed put her son in a basket in a now probably full of crocodiles, she let him go. She let him go. She was fierce. She was protective. She sent, most likely, the sister to go and stand guard. To go and stand guard. I, I know my friend Debbie Davis taught me the meaning of the word shamar 
It's to hedge in, it's to keep. It's to keep in Hebrew. She sent, she sent the sister, you watch over your brother. Don't you let him out of your sight. You watch over him, find out what happens. She was probably watching too. And in the same way, God protects us and keeps us and watches over those we love. Sometimes we don't understand why things happen the way they do. But God is good and he's faithful and he has a plan. And if you were here for my kingdom of God message, we know that we are just all in a cosmic battle between good and evil. But every day God wins and the battle lines move. And God is winning and the devil's losing. And at the end of the day, that's all we need to know. Jesus will come again. And y'all, I'm going to fly away. I am flying away. I sang that song. Oh, Lord, when I die, hallelujah, by and by. Here, Bishop, this is for you. I'll fly away, oh, glory. I can't sing, y'all, but Bishop, I want to be like Bishop when he sings. But y'all, we know the end of the story. So when we put those children in the basket, we know that just like Miriam watched her brother, God sends his angels to keep charge over those we love. I think I started in the wrong key. Maybe if somebody had given me a note to start with. Thank you, thank you. But we're fierce and we advocate, we intervene, we intercede. There is a role of parents to step in when, we need to step in and speak for our children when they can't speak. And we do that through intercession. Sometimes we have to get fierce with school systems, y'all. The, the, um, the director of special education in New Hanover County Schools knew me so well, I got asked to be on a committee. I mean, he knew me so well, I wrote so many mean letters advocating for my son, that in the end he's like, well, why don't you come and serve on this committee? (laughs) Because he knew me, we have to advocate for our children. It's hard, it's hard standing up to schools. It's hard standing up to teachers, hard standing up to doctors. It's hard getting in the devil's face and saying they belong to God. Get your hands off, she's ours, you can't touch her. You You have to war sometimes. So, so this Jochebed, she was an advocate, but she also had integrity because she returned her child to Pharaoh's daughter. She had integrity. She did what she said she would do. And so as we do all of these things, as mothers and nurturing women and as fathers, we have to have integrity. <laughs> we have to have integrity. Because if you don't have integrity, if you don't know who God says you are, and you can't stand in who God says you are, then when the enemy comes, and when people come and say you're somebody different, you're just gonna lose it. But integrity means I do the same things at home as I do here. Integrity means when I filled out the volunteer application for Saturate Global and it lied about how controlling are you or how spontaneous are you on the scale, I gave, like, controlling was 10. Before, I would say I was like a nine. I gave myself a six. I was pretty honest. I'm about a six now, thanks to a lot of friends that are spontaneous that are teaching me how to be spontaneous, but then it asks about my prayer life. I mean, how would y'all feel if somebody says, how's your prayer life? I was like, mine needs some work right now. You know, mine needs some work, that's integrity. You're honest, she did what she said she was gonna do. So she was a mother with integrity. But what I like about Jochebed, and the title of this message is Use Your Time Wisely. She used her time wisely. She had about three to four years. If you do a little research in how long did children nurse back in these days, she had about three to four years to influence this child. Three to four years. Most of us have 18 years if they don't fledge the nest, we might have 20 years, 25, 30, they might come back, we can still influence. But she had three to four years, so what kinds of things would she have told him? 
What, now you're not gonna find this in the Bible, she said this, but when we look at the man who was the rescuer, the man who had compassion on his fellow slaves, the man who was a prince in Egypt but didn't act haughty or arrogant, we can surmise, that's a good word, isn't it, honey? My words are coming to me today. There are days I stand up here and say, now what's that word? But that was a good word. We can surmise what might have happened. Now, first of all, Moses, first of all, he was a Hebrew. So she would have said, this is who you are. You are a Hebrew. Now, you're gonna live in the house of the Egyptians, but you are a Hebrew. More than that, you are a Levite. You are among the tribe that is called to be priests and worshipers. Just like you may say to your children, you, you are a Hauser. You come from a long line of godly people. You have a heritage. I know my spiritual heritage. I've got my great granddaddy's Bible in my house. That man could preach. He cried a lot in his sermons too. But God dramatically saved him. I know my spiritual heritage. She said, you're a Levite. Don't ever forget you're a Levite. So we speak this heritage over our children. You're gonna be blessed for a thousand generations. She spoke his identity. I believe she gave him wisdom because he had to know how to remain a Hebrew in the midst of Egyptian culture. Just like we, we teach our children, we help each other to know how do you live as a Christian in a secular humanist culture? How do you honor God and in, live in a way that pleases God when like, you try to watch a documentary and it's full of the F word? You know, How do you honor God? How do you live as a Christian in a culture that does not honor God. I believe she would have taught that to her son. You're a Hebrew, you're a Levite, you're different. You're not like the Egyptians. You're gonna live among them, but you're not like them. And I believe she taught him compassion because his mother, father, brother, sister, they were all slaves. You know, he's living in the palace of Pharaoh all of his family, they're slaves. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that? And we know from later in his life, when he, when he saw an Egyptian giving one of the slaves a hard time, like he stood up for him. Now he was stupid, he killed the Egyptian. May, I don't wanna say Moses was stupid, that sounds bad. He could have maybe not responded in anger to the point of murdering someone. Okay, he could have done it differently. But the point is, he acknowledged the lowly slaves needed, needed a rescuer, needed someone to defend them. He didn't just say, yeah, Egyptians are better. No, he stood up. I believe his mother taught him, you're no better than anybody else, you know? <laughs> sure, you are a Levite, but that does not give you the position of judging others. You have to be compassionate. God loves justice. You have to be compassionate on your fellow brothers and sisters who are slaves. You might have everything, but you still have to show compassion. And that's hard sometimes because we live in a comfortable society and it's hard at times to show compassion, to, put our, to give ourselves the perspective of those who don't. But I believe she taught him how to have compassion because by the time he got in Pharaoh's house, he was gonna be learning some different things. But I believe he learned compassion and humility. But I think the most important thing she taught him was besides identity. Identity is important. But identity without purpose is nothing. Identity without purpose is nothing. She taught him identity, you are a Levite, you are a Hebrew, but then she taught him you have a covenant with God. You have a purpose. Turn with me to Genesis 12. Verse one. And this is where God called Abram. Genesis 12, 1. Now the Lord said to Abram, 
Go from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I, sh which I will show you. And I will make you into a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you. And the one who curses you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Do you think Jochebed would have told her son these things? This was the promise that they had. This was the promise the Israelites held on to when they were slaves, that God was gonna bless them. God is gonna bless us, I believe she would have said. We have promises from God, he made a covenant. In Genesis 17, verses seven and eight, it's where God actually makes the covenant. He's changed Abram's name to Abraham. Verse seven, I will establish my covenant. That's like an enduring promise. It's a covenant. I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you throughout their generations as an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your descendants after you. And I will give to you and to your descendants after you the land where you live as a stranger, all the land of Canaan as an everlasting possession. And I will be their God. This was the most important thing she could say is God is, God is your God, Yahweh. Let's see, let me get my, yeah. <laughs> she probably wouldn't have said Yahweh because he didn't reveal himself as Yahweh until the burning bush. Is that right, Pastor Tom? You have a God. <laughs> you have a God in heaven. She would have communicated to him, you have a God. I mean, I've got a God, y'all. He lives in me, he's inside of me. In him I live and move and have my being. She would have imparted that to him. You're not alone, you have a God. More than that, he's gonna bless you. More than that, he's gonna bless our people. More than that, he's gonna give us a safe place to be, to live. I believe in this short amount of time, she just didn't sit around knitting booties and eating bonbons. She had a short amount of time. I believe she would have used that time wisely. Why do I think that? Look at the fruit. When God appeared in the burning bush, I mean, he had to say, well, who shall I tell them that sends me? And God said, I am who I am. But he knew who God was. He was not just like, oh, there's a God. He, he wasn't clueless because they already had promises. They already had a purpose, they already had an identity, and she would have had a short amount of time to communicate this to her son. So what does that mean for parents today? We have a short amount of time to impart identity, to impart purpose. Now I'm gonna talk about purpose in just a minute, there was a book that I read that really spurred me on to study Moses. It was, it's about spiritual leaders. It's called A Work of Heart, Understanding How God Shapes Spiritual Leaders. It's by Reggie McNeil. And one thing that excited me is, is he talked about how in Hebrew culture, if someone is saved supernaturally from death, like Moses was, he was spared as a baby, they believed that that person was set apart by God for great things. There was a supernatural reason why the miracle occurred. Like if God raised you from the dead, wouldn't you believe there's a supernatural reason God's done this? If God has rescued you, prevented you from dying in a car crash, however God rescued you, there was a reason God did that. It was not just another you know, normal day, there's a reason. And so they said that, this author says that, that Jochebed would have communicated this to her son. God saved you, son, for a reason. God has a plan for your life. God has a supernatural plan. She may have even known, she may have even said, you are a rescuer of your people. She may have declared over him prophetically, God has called you, God has raised you up to deliver us. I mean, why else would a Hebrew child born into, born into slavery go live in the house of Pharaoh? For a purpose. 
Reggie McNeil says, Moses would have had a sense of destiny cultivated in him, an awareness that God has his hand on him for a very special purpose. How do you think he learned that sense of destiny? Who do you think spoke that over her son? Jochebed. Jochebed. She spoke identity. She spoke purpose. She had just a little bit of time. Now, I know for some of us, I, by the grace of God, I got filled with the Spirit when my firstborn was in my belly. I sat in his nursery and said, God, I'm not leaving this nursery until you fill me with your spirit. And so by God's grace, I've had the leadership of Holy Spirit as a parent. I've been in amazing churches that have come around me and my family and helped us raise our children. Some of you may not have had that same blessing of raising your children in a godly home, but I just wanna tell you, you still have influence you still have influence. I believe once Moses left her home, she still declared, my son is a rescuer. My son is called by God. My son is a Levite. My son has promises. He has a covenant. I don't believe she just stopped the day she handed him over. So we still have influence. It was hard to influence without control, but we still have influence with our children we definitely have influence in the spiritual realm to declare, call those things that are not as though they are, to declare over our children their purpose, their identity, amen, their lineage. We can still do those things long after they leave our homes. We still have influence over them. And I think the most important thing, I'm, I am learning how to parent these <laughs> empty nest situations. And I'm learning how to do it without control because I want to retain my influence. There are things that I wish I could change, but I just tread that line very carefully because we want to keep our influence with our children. When you lose influence, you've lost it. We want to still be able to influence them. So today, just like Jochebed, we can declare identity over those around us, whether it's a child, a neighbor, a spiritual child, each other, just like people declared my identity over me today. We can declare purpose. We can speak forth the spiritual heritage, the lineage. You're gonna be blessed to a thousand generations. We can speak that forth. I do wanna just look at a couple um, scriptures. If you'll turn with me to Matthew 22, a couple New Testament scriptures. Matthew 22:36-39. And this is where the Pharisees were talking to Jesus and they said, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So as I tried to think, okay, it was, especially for mothers with young children in, homes, in their homes now, how should they be influencing? And I just landed on two verses. There's a whole lot of instruction in the New Testament. But Jesus, the first commandment is love God with all your heart, mind, and soul. I think in the, New in the Old Testament it adds, and strength. And then also to love others, to be compassionate, to care. But then we also have, at the end of Matthew, the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 19 through 20. And it says, Jesus said, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to follow all that I've commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now, one thing I liked about having my children in the car, how many of you know that I like to preach? Do I like to preach? Do I like a microphone? love a microphone. I had to do an um, assignment for seminary, and it said, what are you happiest doing? 
preaching. <laughs> it wasn't shopping, it wasn't eating french fries, you know, what just fills your heart with joy is just preaching. When I had young children and they were in the car, you know, the doors lock automatically, I had a captive audience. I had a captive audience. I did a whole lot of great sermons in the car and these days my nieces are around me a lot. Do I still preach, girls? I still preach in the car. If you're in my car, you're fair game for a sermon. Lindsay and I were driving back from the mountains a few weeks ago and I was preaching so hard I missed the rest area. I mean, but it was a good sermon. It was a good sermon. So if you have young children, grandchildren, neighbors' children, when you are in the car, preach it, because they can't get out. They have to listen to you until you stop. And another rule that we had was, you know, no phones. Like, put your phone away in the car, unless it was like a long trip. But in general, driving around town, it was put your phone away, and they had to listen to me preach. That's really where I learned how to preach, was preaching to my kids. But use your time wisely. You have influence still. Use your time wisely. I want to share just a little bit about um, my motherhood journey. Um, you guys, if you could put up the first slide. We're going to thumb through the first six slides. So there's Brian and me. I had two young children. You know, your hair gets all cut off at that point. Gregory and Hannah. And there we are. I had curly hair at that point. Okay, let's do, and then there's Gregory. He did not want to take his picture there at the photography studio, so I had to get in the picture with him. He was not happy in the next one. And there he is. I think that's second grade. His teeth are growing in. Second grade, maybe, maybe third. Okay, the next one. And there's little Hannah and me on the couch. And then that one, there's Hannah. We did a lot of dance. So everything, oh, okay, let's leave it right there. Because the first six pictures, everything looks great. And then you've got the picture of Hannah with tears in her eyes. This is what it looks like on the inside of the house. And I, I want to just read you a little story about my parenthood. Because a few years ago, this just welled up in my heart. I had walked into the church and saw my son, you know, an adult up here playing bass guitar. He's probably a teenager. And we had communion and my daughter prayed the most beautiful prayer. And like, she wouldn't shut up, you know. She just kept praying and praying and praying. And it just hit me in spite of me my children turned out well. In spite of me, my children turned out well. They loved God, they loved to serve. Because I was not the easiest mom to have. You know, I talked about that control scale, one to 10. I was usually a nine. And I still am. Like I saw Pastor Willie this morning, his tie was crooked. Pastor Tom straightened it. You know, I, I like things a certain way. I like them clean and neat and quiet. And if it's, you know, I like the carpets clean and the walls not marked and I just liked, the, liked, I'm doing better, liked things a certain way. You know, just being human, you have selfishness, and you have pride, you want things your way. But I'm a living proof that in spite of all of my imperfections, I had some colossal failures as a mother. I confessed one of them to Pastor Tom last week that was just, the worst moment of motherhood, and, and I won't even say it, but there's God's grace. With my children, I homeschooled both of them. I became a, a, a stay-at-home mom, homeschooled both my children. My son had a disability, but I, tr I had high standards. I treated him as if he were normal. My daughter was 20 months younger. I treated her as if she was the same age. And even though I said, it's okay if you get a B on your test today, they knew. Mama wanted an A. I had high standards. They knew Mama's standards were up here. I expected them to achieve. And I'm OCD about some things. I can relate to Carrie because we talk about our love of cleaning and I do take a cleaning brush with me when I travel and I clean things with my cleaning toothbrush. Sometimes I break the toothbrush, I clean so hard with it. It's just fun for me. But I was the same way when they were younger and, and toys had to be clean up, cleaned up after you played and messes weren't tolerated and you see poor Hannah. But there was one, um, one incident that, that's very memorable. 
We call it the cherries in the snow incident. That was the name of the nail polish my mom had given to Hannah, those grandmas. She gave my six-year-old a bottle of red nail polish. And so then the six-year-old in the fairly new house with the creamy white carpet spills the red nail polish. There's still a stain in the carpet. Spills the red nail polish. Now, since I'm a little OCD, I think all the carpet that's together should be the same color. Like, there should not be big red splotches in the midst of the the creamy white carpet, right? Not a pretty moment. She also one day spilled a red candle in her room. Then, after that, no more nail polish in the bedrooms. No more candles in the bedrooms. There were some, some bad moments. And then I struggled to let them grow up. Can we go to the next slide? So there's Gregory growing up, and then the next one. Okay, leave it there, please. It was hard for me to let them grow up. Now, Gregory driving, like my first gray hair grew in when Gregory started driving. That was tough stuff. And I had a hard time letting my my sweet Hannah to grow up, because this is Andrew Escobar. She developed a crush on him here in this church when she was 12 years old. They started dating at 15. That was not my plan, like we were homeschoolers, we were going to court because the purpose of dating is marriage, and you know, we had all this big plan, I had read all the books that homeschoolers read about, you know, how this all works. And at 15, he, he's almost 18, she's 15, he wants to go out with her. That was a, tr- a tough transition, right Brian? And we felt like it was the Lord, but I'll be honest, I chewed him out, not once, but twice. I chewed that boy out, poor kid. I think towards the end he was kind of afraid of me. But, but what I learned through it all, and God finally showed me my errors. You know, Lisa, you've really messed this up. Messed it up with my daughter. Messed it up with my now son-in-law. But what I learned was how to make a good apology. God taught me how to own my mistakes, and I can make a good apology. I don't say, I chewed you out, but you. There's no buts. I owned the mistakes I made. And as I was thinking about this sermon this week, and and everything I did in my motherhood, my greatest accomplishment was learning how to make a really good apology. Because if you can make a really good apology, Love covers over a multitude of sins. If you can make a good apology. One time, Pastor Tom, when we first came to this church, we were very hurt by pastors and leaders. Pastor Tom had nothing to do with it, but he just said, as a pastor, I'm sorry that happened to you. My healing just jumped three years. You know, it could have taken me eight years to heal from that, but just a good apology. So, If we mess up as grandparents, parents, neighbors, friends. My niece Mackenzie's here. We've done a lot of dental work together with some laughing gas and some medications to help her calm calm down. And our joke is I almost killed her. (laughs) There was one time she got slightly overdosed and she was struggling. She's like, she wanted the laughing gas off. And I'm just sitting there on my phone and she's over there like, me, Lisa, help. So our, we can joke about it now. There's a lot of things we can joke about. But I learned how to make a good apology. You know, through all of those years of parenting, I knew Jesus, but I was still some days just not a good mother. There were good days. When we built our house 17 years ago, We built it so that between the homeschool room and the downstairs was a door. Between the den and my bedroom, there was a door. Between my bedroom and the bathroom was a door. Between my bathroom and closet was a door. So there were four doors I could put between my kids and me so they could live till Brian got home. Four doors. Because there were days that I would go all the way down to my closet and put my face on the carpet. Jesus, help. The beauty is that God's grace causes our children to turn out well, in spite of our mistakes and our imperfections. Can anybody say amen? Isn't that so true? God takes our best efforts and does something miraculous with them.
And I also just wanna give credit to, to the church family that helped me raise, this, raise our children, the Danny Archibalds. No, that's not right. David Archibalds, help me. And Danny, um, thank you, my brain just went blank. Danny Holden, the David Archibalds, I did them out of order. The Kenny Arnolds, the Heather Arnolds, everyone that was part, that helped me raise my children. And in other churches too, that spoke words of them, words over them, the pastors that helped us hold it together. So you have to give credit, it does take a lot of people. So lastly, let's see, where am I? Got a little carried away, where am I? The beauty is God gets the glory. Um, in Exodus 6, what I love about the story of Jochebed is for a long time she's unnamed. She's not even named. And in Exodus 6, in a genealogy, she's finally named. Exodus 6.20 says, now Amram married his father's sister Jochebed. We're not gonna talk about that part because that's confusing. His father's sister Jochebed. And she bore him Aaron and Moses. So her name was an afterthought, but she, nameless, made it to the Hebrews 11 Hall of Faith. She made it there, Hebrews 11:23. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. So how many of you know the name of Abraham Lincoln's mother? What's his mother's name? Her name was Nancy Hawks Lincoln. Ever heard of that woman? But have you felt her, influ her influence? Yeah. What about the name of Martin Luther King's mother? Does anybody know that? That was the wife. Her name was Alberta Williams King. We don't remember the names of the mothers, but we still feel their influence. Just like Jochebed, she was unnamed in two of these major stories about her. But we feel her influence. Moses led her son, the rescuer, the deliverer, led the Israelites out of slavery, navigated them, to the promised land, received the law, met face to face with God, raised up leaders, dealt with whiny people. He gave us a system of governmental leadership where he put people under him. Her name isn't often mentioned, but we see her influence. And even today, we are blessed because all the nations of the earth will be blessed through Abram through Abraham, through Moses. If you guys will go to the next slide, I wanna kinda bring us up to date with my parenthood journey. There's Greg, that we are in Wisconsin on his couch. I used to be afraid to fly, now I love to fly. I fly to Wisconsin all the time because my son needs me. You know, you do what your children need. And there's my Hannah, she got married during the pandemic, it was a pandemic wedding and we had a party afterwards, so there's Hannah and me. And I asked my children, I definitely don't want this, don't want talking about my family to ever seem like I am singing any praises. I've managed to forget a lot of the bad things, like when I threw an orange at them, but thankfully I had bad aim. Like I did some rough things and our joke has always been, when you need therapy for that episode, I'll pay for it. We'll just put my credit card on file. Thankfully, universities offer free therapy. But I have other friends that have taken that same line. If you need therapy for that major colossal parenting mistake, I'll cover that one for you. The other ones you're on your own, but I got that one. But Hannah has a few words. I asked them, you know, what was hard for me what did I do well? What did I not do well? And if you guys have the video, um, Hannah had a few words for us. She is currently driving back home to Aiken, South Carolina, where she lives. Hi, everyone. My name is Hannah Ray Escobar, and this is my puppy, Nami. For those who don't know me, I am Lisa's daughter. I just wanted to talk for a couple minutes about my mom. 
So ever since we were very little, my mom was always very generous. Her love language is gifts, so she would always be getting us slushies, making us chocolate chip cookies on the weekends. And then even when I started living away from home, she would keep a box for me in the closet full of things that she wanted to give me or ways that she thought of me while I was gone. She always loved sharing the things that she loved with us, like making cards, watching Pride and Prejudice, the 2005 version, and spending time with us. Specifically, I just wanted to mention my transition to adulthood, which I think was a huge step for my mom. It's something she'd never really done before. It was very hard for her to let me go off to college. She has fought to be less clingy over the years. I am, as always, her baby girl, and those with children know what it's like to have to let go of your baby child. Um, at times, it was difficult for me to make decisions for myself because she always had my best interests in mind. That's something I really appreciated about her, but it was one of the difficult parts about that transition. And then I got married, which actually ended up changing a lot of things seemingly for the better in many, many ways. As much as it was a beautiful and timely decision for me, it was also a huge step in my relationship with my mom. She supported and encouraged me and she learned to give me space as I was learning to communicate and be led by my husband Andrew and everything that comes with marriage as a part of that. As a result, I really think she became more of my best friend than my mother, which was an amazing thing to watch as it transitioned from parenting to friendship. I am so very, very thankful for my mom, but I think her one fatal flaw would be that potentially she loves my dog more than me. It's debatable. Bye everyone, it's good to see you. I can't be here because I'm currently on my way to South Carolina to start my doctoral residency tomorrow. So be praying for me and please enjoy my mom's sermon. She has so many beautiful things to say about motherhood and I am so thankful to be her daughter. Yay, that's my girlsy. That's my girlsy. And yes, I FaceTime with my grand dog. She, she knows, like, with, if, if it's an audio call, she's like, why are you calling just to talk to me? Why is it not a FaceTime with Nami, the grand dog? But she's such a good dog. So since my, my nest became empty, then God brought my nieces more into my life. And my brother's here and my nieces. And my two nieces that are the twins, they had some goals that they wanted to achieve in life. And I knew how to help them achieve them. I'm just, I'm an administrator. I've learned I'm an administrator at heart. I can make phone calls. I can Google. I can figure things out. I can sweet talk and get people to help us. You know, I know, I know how to get things done. And so um, if y'all will put the, first the picture of the girls up, it's slide number 13 or it should be, of all of us. So there's Megan, the oldest. You can raise your hand if you want to. And then Mackenzie and Lindsay and Anne, Megan's daughter. And there we are a few years ago when I went to Charlotte to hang out with them. And then let's do the next, the next one. So this, November 15th, no, November 14th, 2018 was from Mackenzie. Just a little message, can I come live with you? And that started it all, didn't it, girlsy? It started it all. Now, how would you feel when you've got a kind of empty nest and somebody says, can I come live with you? Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> right? I mean, I, Brian and I enjoy, enjoy the quietness of our home, and these girls are both very quiet. But our natural reaction, we are naturally selfish people. No, I want my space. No, I want my money. No, I want my time. No, I want to do what I want to do. I've raised my kids. It's time for me to just relax. So we had, we called it Camp Lisa. Mackenzie came and spent some time with us and we traveled and spoke in, in other states. We worked on high school diplomas. We worked on driver's licenses and um, Mike and Tracy, Tracy Hogan and Debbie Benson helped us. So we worked on some goals that she had. And then soon, not, not long after that, her twin says, was it my idea? Maybe it was my idea. You wanna come stay with me. 
but really not my idea. It was Holy Spirit's idea because as I said, y'all, I like to, I like to do what I wanna do. I like to take a nap every day, <laughs> every day. I like to make my note cards. I like to work in my garden. But I was reading my utmost for his highest, this little one right here. And it said, one of the devotionals, so long as there is a human being who does, do I have this quote, guys, in the sound booth? I'm trying to think if I had this quote in there. The next slide, maybe? Let's see. I was thinking I had it. So long as there is a human being who does not know Jesus Christ, I am his debtor to serve him until he does. I am his debtor. These girls don't know Jesus the way I know Jesus. I am a slave to them. I am a debtor to them until they do. And it was that line right there that convicted me, okay, the doors need to come open again. We're gonna have Camp Lisa all over again. We're gonna do the same things. We're gonna work on diplomas. We're gonna work on dentist visits. We're gonna work on driving. We're gonna work on things. We're gonna help them reach their goals. In my flesh, did I wanna do it? Some days, no. I mean, it's hard taking girls to the dentist, right? <laughs> that stuff's hard. That stuff, we're not pointing any fingers, but it's hard to do some of those things. They're saying I'm worst at the dentist. Pastor Tom, can I have the microphone for just a second? So I just wanna ask them to just share something good, something bad, something hard, something difficult, because we've lived together kind of pretty much for three years. Often, oh no, you have to be first. You can sit, you don't have to stand. Why do I have to be first? Because I said so. Aislinn's the youngest. No, you. She's a Canadian one. You go ahead, quick, just quickly. Is, is this thing on? Yes. yes. <laughs> okay. So, one thing you're good at. Mm -hmm. Shopping. <laughs> they said shopping. Mackenzie said shopping, okay. but one thing you're good at is always being there, okay. even whenever you don't want to. <laughs> Thank you. Your fatal fall. Uh-oh. You say not sharing your fries. I don't share French fries. Get your own. That's what I tell them. Get your own French fries. Go ahead. I would have to say it's you throwing things at me. Ah, yes, I throw things at them. And one time you did slap me, but it's okay. I did slap her. It was out of good intention. Yes, I slapped her because I had told her, if you do such and such, I will slap you. And she did such and such, and I'm a woman of my word. <laughs> I slapped her. I didn't mean to slap her as hard as I did. But it shocked her, didn't it, honey? I feel bad. I, I'm still apologizing. Did you do a good I d I'm sure I did a good apology because I can apologize, y'all. If y'all, I can apologize. I do it well. I am sorry for slapping you. Will you forgive me? I'm used to it. She's used to it by now. <laughs> so, what I want to say is we have influence. There are people that God brings into our lives, whether they're family members, whether they're neighbors, whether it's someone you meet when you're ministering, whether it's someone you lead to the Lord who needs some help. There are people in our lives who need us. Sometimes the cost of influence is high. The cost of having influence is high. But I have influence over these girls because they've seen that I love them. I may slap them, but they know I love them because 99% of the time, they're seeing me help them achieve some goals along with other family members that are, we're, we're working to help them achieve some goals. So at the same time, God brought a young lady who got saved. Why am I holding two microphones? <laughs> I'm being, this is just Lisa. <laughs> this is just Lisa and Jesus up here. So at the same time, around this time, this young lady who's Canadian, her name is Aislinn, got saved through the influence of my daughter online about three years ago. And then suddenly I gained a spiritual daughter and I had influence. So along with FaceTiming with my grand dog, I FaceTime with Aislinn who's Canadian and just about two weeks ago she came to the States 
one week ago, came to the States for the first time, spent a week with my daughter. She's spending a week with us. I will try not to slap you or throw things at you, but if you would like to, you can say something I do well and then something these people might not know about me. Uh, something I have to say that you do well, um, you've always been there for me when I needed this spiritual mother uh, because I don't live in a Christian household and I've never had the influence like you've made on me, so that's something I'm really appreciative of. And something you don't do well. Uh-oh. <laughs> the, last, the last week, uh, everyone has been picking on me because of my Canadian accent because I say things like a and a boat and out and I speak differently but it's just really funny and also you pick on my cultural food choices yes because up in Canada we put fries and gravy and cheese curds together and it is the most delicious thing but I learned this week that that's not common down here Yes, thank you. So this week, I'm doing it again. Take this from me, Pastor Tom. So this week, I'm taking her to Chick-fil-A for a Chick-fil-A sandwich. She's been to Hobby Lobby. She's going to get a second trip. Who's been to Pop's Diner in Carolina Beach and had bacon? Anybody ever had their bacon chili cheese fries? Okay, I'm taking her for real fries, like the way we do it in the South. So God will bring people into your life from the strangest places where you can have influence. How do you earn influence? You just love them. You just love them right where they are. You don't try to control them. You just love them. If they need to be served, you serve them. I tell these twins and even their sister Megan, there are times that there are things I can do to help and I will do what I can. Now there's some things where I draw the line. I'm like, okay, (laughs) I can't do that. Because even when you love, there's a cost. And there are times where I am not in a place mentally, spiritually, emotionally to help. And in those times there, it's them and Jesus. But if I can help, I can. And it's been the greatest joy of my life how God has brought me closer to my own family because of one text message that just said, can I come live with you? So don't discount when when God knocks on the door. And it's not that I have a big heart. I am as selfish and greedy and self-centered and lazy as the rest of them. But Jesus said to me, as long as there's anyone who does not know me as Lord, you are their debtor. You are their debtor until he does. And so that's what motivates me. It's just obedience. It's just obedience. That's all it is. It's because I don't want to disobey my Jesus. And so I I do these things that he asked me to do. And sometimes I whine and complain, and it's hard. But it's been an honor and a privilege to become a mom again. And it's nice because both the twins moved to Wilmington and and then my brother and his family, they come down and visit more often. And actually my brother Scott was here the first time I ever preached. So I'm just, I'm very blessed. Okay, so it's about time to take mom out to lunch if you have mom in town. Yeah. So I wanna wrap up and just say that there are people around you, there are people in your life who need your influence. They need what you have to offer, whether it's like Miss Kathy Quigley that just tells me, I like you. I mean, sometimes I just need somebody to say, I like you. Whether it's someone who needs godly wisdom, whether it's a young leader that God is raising up and you're just speaking encouragement, whether it's someone who needs Jesus, there are people, whether you're a mother, father, aunt, uncle, sister, son, daughter, there are people around you that need your influence. And as we love people and serve people, we earn the right. As we lay down our lives like Jesus did, we earn the right to speak into their lives, to bring truth to them, to love them, to serve them. We need to use our time wisely. Jochebed had three to four years to speak identity into her son, to speak purpose. Look what she did. She's often nameless and faceless in the accounts in the Bible, but we know what she did. We all know who her son was. 
and what he did, but it was through the influence of godly parents, a godly mother, a godly father. Anything Brian and I did well, it's through the grace of God, through the grace of God, and it's for his glory. And at the end of the day, all we're doing is trying to raise little children that love Jesus. If you're a mother, Great Commission, that is your purpose right now. If you're a grandmother, the Great Commission, the first, the first and second commandment, teach them to love God, love their neighbor, lead them to Jesus, get them baptized, teach them. That is the purpose now that mothers have, just like Jochebed had that purpose. So, Father God, I thank you for the influence of, of women and men among children, among nieces, nephews, Canadians, people from all over. God, I thank you that you bring people into our lives. I thank you for the supernatural appointments. I could hear Neil Blake talking about the supernatural appointments that you give us so that our lives can intersect with people who need what we have to offer, who need the influence of someone who loves Jesus. So Father, today I pray that you would strengthen each one as they go out, God. Give them new hope that their influence matters, that their prayers matter, that the declarations in the night matter. I thank you, God, that we, as a church, we are raising up people who love you, and it's a team effort. And God, it's by your grace and it's for your glory, so we honor you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you.